Hi, everyone. This is Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, and this is part 3 of the podcast series. If you would like to watch it in one full swoop, head over to YouTube and subscribe there. Enjoy the teaching. Welcome to God's Word, Transforming Lives podcast. I am your host, Amy Diane Ross, wife, mother, Bible teacher, who's passionate to disciple women through life using the Word of God. On this podcast, we will use the Bible to discuss topics that we all face from emotional and mental struggles, married life, single life, physical health, and everything in between. If you are ready to live in victory in every area of your life while learning the Word of God, I'm here to help. The Bible really does have all the answers for life's crazy roller coaster ride, and I'm excited that you have chose me to ride along with you. So, just as it is right for me to thank this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, you're all partakers with me in grace. I love this. Just as it is right for me to think of you all. Because you, because I have you in my heart. This church was so close and so dear to his, his heart. He loved them so much. And he just he's saying, you guys have stood with me in my chains. You didn't forsake me. There were many that forsook, that forsook Paul when he would get imprisoned or whatever. There's people that would walk with him. And then when he would get in prison, they'd be like kind of afraid that, that maybe they would end up in prison or they didn't want to be persecuted. And they would kind of abandon him, you know, and other churches, you know, were not as giving and as generous. And, um, but here's Paul. He says, man, you guys, you know, you know, when he's talking about here in his chains, in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, he's talking about the fact that he was out there. That word defense is apologeo, like apologetics, defending the faith, defending the faith of Christ, that Christ is the, the truth, the way and the life. And no one gets to the father except for Jesus. He's telling the pagans, like your, your fake gods, your, your, your goddess, Diana, your goddess of the unknown or God of the unknown, your uh, you know, all your false gods, they're not going to get you anywhere. You're going to die in your sins. He had, that's what he was telling people. There is a way and there's a truth and there's a light and that is Jesus Christ. And he's the only way. And you need to repent of your sins and put your faith in him and the finished work of the cross. And so he's telling them, this is the truth. And so he's breaking down, you know, their religious systems, their pagan ideologies, also with Judy, Judy, the, the Jews, he had to like break down why Jesus was their Messiah, even though they had denied him and they had to break down their system of law and, and trying to work their way and earn their way to heaven and do all these laws. And so he was defending the truth of the freedom of Christianity, of, of, of following Christ as a Messiah, that he fulfilled all the law. And this made him public enemy number one, everywhere he went, every synagogue that he went into, every city that he went into, every pagan temple he went into, he was an enemy. He was an enemy of their religious system, of their false ide ideologies and false philosophies. And so this caused him to be in prison a lot or stoned or whipped or beaten or, you know, ran out of cities. You know, when you remember in Acts 16, when he first came to Philippi, 
to preach the gospel, right? He was, they hated him immediately. They put him in prison. So he ends up, you know, going to prison. He ends up telling the jailer about Christ. The jailer ends up getting saved. And, you know, so there's this whole beautiful story. Go read Acts chapter 16. But Bill, even when he went to Philippi, he, he ended up going to prison in Philippi because he was preaching the gospel. And yet then he, but this church, this first European church was established through him going to prison. First, he went and found the women that were praying outside. And we'll talk about that later. And Lydia got saved. Then he ends up, you know, going to prison and the jailer and his whole household got saved. So the church began right there. You got two, you got a couple people and it's like, okay, here we are. We're starting to, we're starting a church right here in Philippi. And so he was, he went there and he preached the gospel. He, he, he preached the truth and he defended the truth. And because of that, and because they gave into his ministry and into his chains by giving uh, material possessions and needs that he had, he's saying, you guys are partakers of this. See, when we partner with one another, we partner in a ministry together, you know, to get the work of the gospel done and out there, you know, we, we, we are all recipients of that grace of that blessing of God in that. That's why it's so important that we're putting our time, talent, and treasure into a ministry that's sold out for Jesus Christ in every aspect, not just two hours on a Sunday with good, with the word, but in every aspect they're sold out and, and they're working together to accomplish the, the biblical uh, commands of what it means to be the church. And so he's saying, you guys are a part of that grace. Verse eight, for God is my witness, how greatly I long for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ. He's saying, I, he, he used to see his love just pouring out on this body. Like he's just like, I just love you guys so much. You know, he's so proud of this church and what they've become since he's left. You know, they're, they're a church that gives. They're a church that loves one another. They're a church that's, um, you know, keeping their joy and rejoicing even in trials and tribulations. I mean, they're, they are, they are living out the great commission of Jesus Christ in every aspect. And he's, he's just so proud of them. Verse nine, and this, I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment. He's like, you guys have it. I mean, you got the joy, you got the love. You guys clearly love me. You love the gospel. You love each other. He's like, but I always pray for more, more love, more love would abound because love is poured out from God into us. When we talked about that in Romans chapter five, love is just, it's, it's just poured out into us, God's love. And that love, should be pouring out of us onto one another and then onto a lost and dying world. It's an evidence that we're truly born again. It's how Jesus said that people will know we're actually his people is because the way we love each other. And love isn't just like, I, I love you. Oh, I love you. It's an action. Do we really love each other? Do we cover each other's personality defects? Do we cover each other's sins? Not giving each other permission to sin. What Peter was talking about was that you know, we're all on the sanctification road together and we're going to mess up and we're not perfect, but do we still love each other? Are we staying unified? Are we working together for the gospel of Jesus Christ, even in the midst of trials and tribulations and even personality conflicts and those kind of things? Like, are we maintaining the unity, which we are commanded to do? 
do we really love one another? Do we care about the single mom and her kids? Do we care about the widow or the orphans? Do we care about the poor? Do we care about the person who's having a hard time, you know, paying their electric bill within the body? Do we care about the person that's, you know, going through a grieving moment, maybe they've lost somebody, somebody's passed away. Do we care about the kids that are kind of been left behind? They don't have anybody to really mentor them. Do we care? Do we care? Do we care about the elderly shut-ins that don't have a car and can't go anywhere? And so they're not even really even in church. So is anybody even going and ministering to them? Do we care? Do we care? And it's hard because one or two people can't be the only ones that care. It's, it's a body. And a body collectively has to come together and work together to meet the needs of the body. That's what brings God glory. And so as you're saying, he's saying, I pray that your love bounds even more and more in the knowledge and all discernment. So he wants them to understand that as you're, you're filled up with this love, that you're learning the word of God that you're learning the scriptures, that you are getting a greater knowledge of God, a greater understanding of who he is and who Christ is and who we are in him. This is vital, you guys. We are in a day and age where the the Bible is, just, we have a famine in the land. We have, we have millions of Bibles, but no one's reading them. We have millions of Bibles, but no one's adhering to the word. No one's, we don't even preach the Bible from the pulpits anymore. Very rare, it's rare to find the true word of God being preached and then lived out. And he's saying, so when he's talking about knowledge and all discernment, he is talking about knowing the apostles teachings, knowing the true gospel, knowing the word of God and being able to discern truth from error, true good from evil, truth from error. Because remember every letter Paul talks about, there's false teachers following him, like everywhere he goes. As soon as he would establish a church, he'd walk out and the false teachers walk right in. Acts chapter 20. He told him, he said, listen, I've been with you three years. The second I leave, I'm, he's like, I'm telling you, the second I turn my back, the wolves are going to come in and they're going to try to devour the sheep. You have to protect the sheep. And, and, and because we're not unified anymore, you know, and, and there's so much false teaching and we become a generation that wants we want entertainment and our emotions feel. We want the feels. Everything has to have a feeling attached to it. We're losing all discernment. We're losing knowledge and discernment. We think now that the Bible is bad, and but worship music and the feelings and entertainment, that's the good, right? Less. We need less Bible and, and more feeling. We need more production. We need more emotion, less Bible. And that's opposite of what God established. No, we need the word of God because it's the word of God, Paul is saying, that's going to grow you in your discernment. And then you're going to obey the word of God, which is going to give you that true biblical joy. And you're going to grow in your love for God. And you're going to grow in your love for one another because the word of God is all about love and how to love and how to put it into practice because true love is an action. And it also is going to help you weed out the true from the false, the wheat from the tares, the wolves from the, from the sheep. Because you know the word of God for yourself. It is vital. It is my mission in life. It is, it is my calling. To get the word of God. Into as many women as I can. Because. I think we're the most targeted. As far as like the deceptions. Um, 
because we are more emotional and more emotion driven. And because the church is so driven by emotion now, I think we fall for it more easily than, than, than I think maybe the men do. Um, and also we're in a culture where our men are being emasculated fact. So men are not leading, um, the way that they should be. And with there being a family land of the word, and there's not a lot of really good biblical, true biblical elders out there anymore. There's not a lot of true discipleship going on. And we also are in a rebellious nation now. I mean, we're second Timothy chapter three. Um, people want it their own way. They don't want to submit to uh, leadership anymore. They don't want to submit to godly elders. They don't want to have to be held to a higher standard anymore. They want to do it their way and that's it. And so, you know, we've got, there's a lot of complexities going on. So the only thing I can say is what Paul says here. I pray that you abound more and more in knowledge. Okay. And he's not talking about the knowledge that puffs up. He's talking about the knowledge that gets put into practice. He's talking about the knowledge that helps you discern truth from error, that helps you discern the 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 good the good tree that produces good fruit versus the bad tree that produces bad fruit. Help you discern because remember Paul, a lot of his letters was to talk about false apostles, Second Corinthians, that come as agents of light. They literally preach righteousness, but they're false apostles. They're not. They're not even true teachers. He he talks about the false prophets, the false apostles, the false teachers. You know these smooth talkers, you know, Jude talks about it. John in first John, first, second, third John, Jesus warned us about these people. And they said, man, they're going to walk in these lying signs and wonders. You better be careful. And so he wants us to be able to have our brains turned on. See, we're being taught nowadays, shut your brain off, shut the intellect off and just go with the emotions, go with the heart. Well, the Bible tells me that my heart's deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? And that emotions are fickle. I can have an experience. And he, I mean, you play the right music, you play the right music on the right rhythms and all of that. I can have, I can have an emotion anywhere I go because our, we, it's a science. There's a science to it. So I need to have my brain turned on because we're intellectual beings and we've been given a intellectual manual, an entire intellectual manual that's alive and active, supernatural through the Holy Spirit of God, God breathed for my brain to know it and my members, Romans 6, to put it into practice, right? It's not just about feelings and emotions. Feelings and emotions can drive you off a cliff depending on where you're at, just in your, just in your monthly cycle. Some days I don't feel like it, right? Intellectually, I know I need to do it. And that's what I do. That you may approve the things that are excellent. See, we can't discern the good things from the excellent things or the truth from error if we don't know the word of God for ourselves. Also, we're to be walking in what our gifts and callings are. And I'm going to be doing a whole teaching on that. Um, good things versus excellent things. I'll probably be doing a podcast on that. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. So as we learn the truth of the word, we learn how to rightly divide it. 
We learn how to discern truth from error, which is getting very difficult nowadays. If you don't know the word, how to discern truth from error, I'm telling you, Jesus said the deception will be so great that even the elect will be deceived if possible. It is that great. I am like blown away by how good the deception is. And it hasn't even hit the pinnacle yet, right? I mean, Antichrist hasn't even stepped on the scene and brought the fire down from heaven. But the false lying signs and wonders are everywhere. We're so deceived. It's 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 crazy. Um, and so as you're getting that knowledge, you're getting the discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent. So we judge that which is true, that which is pure, that which is the gospel, that which is Jesus, right? Because we have so many false Christs and false gospels now being presented to us using the word of God, because that's how Satan does it. And then he says that you may be sincere and without offense. That word sincere means pure. Actually, back then, they I think Paul might have been talking about there's these um, like uh, clay figures or whatever that they would make. And, um, and they wouldn't be, and they'd be a lot of times with the, to save money, what the vendors would do is they put like wax in them, but you couldn't tell that they were not full. They were not pure. They, they didn't look, they looked exactly like the other one. So like, let's just do it this way. How about a Louis Vuitton bag or something like that? I see those online all the time or like on TikToks or something. I don't own one. Don't care to own one. Don't care about that stuff. All right. Louis Vuitton, like how it's really difficult to tell like a true Louis Vuitton bag from a fake one. I think purses, they do that a lot, like Chanel or whoever the brand names are. And then they'll show you like, there's, it's just these little slight differences is how you can tell the true from the fake of these handbags. And that's what he's talking about there. He's talking about the sincerity of, you know, not allowing fakeness to come into you um, that you were to walk in sincere love. We're not just to say we love each other. We're not just to say, you know, that we are sincere in our faith, but a pure undefiled religion, right? Pure and undefiled that we have the truth of the knowledge of God, that we're able to discern truth from error. And then we walk sincerely and purely in that truth. And when we love one another and we love people, we are to love with that kind of sincerity as well. They don't love you only because you can give me something in return. I don't love you because you say all the right things. You look the right way. You act the right way. We do that a lot in the church, right? In James, where he talks about the rich man gets all the admiration. The poor man sits in the back and how we have that, what we call sin of partiality. We can do that within the church. Well, I really love these people over here because, you know, they're, they, 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 um, they make it look better. They dress nicer. They have money. They have, they're just more put together for society, like whatever. But these people, this particular group over here, I really won't want to do much with because, you know, it takes more effort because maybe I have to put more into them. Um, I don't like that the fact that they don't look like I think that they should look, or maybe they don't. Um, they, their personality isn't how I like the personality I like to be around, or maybe they just, you know, they, I really have no, they're, they're never going to be my leaders in the church. So I'm not going to put as much time in them because they really, you know, they're to me, they're a time waster. Um, I do not believe that I actually am drawn to the least of these. I, cause that's where, that's who Jesus was drawn to, but we tend to do that in the church, right? We call it clicks 
call it clicks. That's not sincere love, right? I don't, that's not, that's not sincere love. That's fake love. That's love based on condition. It's love based on what you can offer me. That's love based on what I like to tolerate. That's love based on how you look, how you think, whatever, how you dress, right? Or what do you have to offer me? That's not true love. Jesus didn't die on the cross because of what we had to offer him. He died for his love for first the father and then for us. He died for a bride onto himself, for a family onto himself. And each one of us, it was putrid and he died while we were yet enemies, right? Like think of your life before salvation. My gosh, I, I was horrific. I was God hating. I was, you know, it was such a blasphemer and I just, you know, I loved my sin and I was, I was just drunk in my sin. Right. And yet he still died for me. He still died for you. There's no flicks in heaven. You know, there's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be like when we were in high school and there was all these different cliques, you know, there's the popular kids. So there's not going to be like a pastor section in church and then like a nursery section for those who work to the nurse. And then the ones that clean the toilets, there's a section for them. And then the ones who like, you know, whatever, I don't know, pick your, your sex. We're all one and we should love each other with a sincere love, regardless, regardless of where we're at in our sanctification road what we have to offer, what we think we have to offer. Jesus didn't come for the self-righteous and the high and mighties and the CEOs. Not that the CEOs can't get saved. I'm just saying he came for the least of these. He came for the downtrodden, the prostitute, the drunkards, the demon possessed, you know? And guess what? It takes time to get cleaned up. When you've lived a rough life in the world and you become born again, yeah, you have a new relationship with sin. Your life transforms really radically but there's still a lot of work to be done in your sanctification. There's a lot of onion to be peeling back layers. You know, I have so many layers. I'm still, layers are still being pulled back and they will till the day I die because we should be ever learning, ever growing, ever being teachable, ever maturing. We're going from glory to glory to look more like the image of Christ. And none of us have arrived. And so we need to love each other with a sincere agape love not full of fake leather and whatnot to make it look good it's really easy to do that for two hours on a sunday true love sincere love is tested when you actually become a family that's when it's tested so being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, the glory and promise of God. So this sincere love, this knowledge of the word of God, this putting into practice what you're learning, having a um, discernment from truth and error and standing firm on the truth. Christ, he's saying you're going to be filled with the fruits of righteousness. The fruit of right living, righteousness, right living, which are by Jesus Christ. He gives us the power and the ability to do that. His shed blood put us in right standing before God. 
The Holy Spirit came, made a home in us, lives in us, and gives us the power and the ability and the victory to live in right standing in this world, to come out from among the world and live rightly, to have the fruit of righteousness, to live separated from the rest of the world, to live in holiness, to choose to live differently. We act differently. We speak differently. We dress differently than the world. We listen to different music. We watch different movies. We're different and we should be. Now, that doesn't mean we separate ourselves completely out of the world so that we can't go and minister to the world. No, but we as a people of God should look very different than the world. Our churches should look different than the world. Our entertainment should look different than the world. Our speech should be different than the world. Our actions, our marriages should look different than a secular marriage. Our children and the way that we raise our children should look completely different than the secular world raises their children. Because we're doing everything onto the, onto the Lord. That's what he says here at the end, the glory and praise of God. Everything we do is onto the glory of God. We should, when you have a biblical worldview, a true biblical worldview, when you have held your life and your standard to the word of God and the word of God alone, not to the latest trends, not to the culture, not to the news, not to being politically correct and social justices and all these other things. When you have literally taken your mind, taken your life, and it, it lines up to the word of God in context, not scripture plucking, the biblical worldview, you will look so different. You will act different. Your lifestyle will be different. Everything you do is different. Your, even your job, your career choices will likely be different. You know, there's just thing. It's just everything about you is going to be different. The way you, the way you, what you do with your money, what you do with your time, what, you know, everything It's just going to be different. And it says we're, we're not going to be loved by the world. We're going to be hated by the world. And so if people speak well of you, if the world loves you and speaks well of you, you're compromised. I'm telling you right now, you're compromised. And I'm not saying we go out and purposely be offensive. It's just that our, our literally our, our life, our fragrance of Christ is a stench to the world that's dying. That's what it says in Corinthians. Your, your, your fragrance is like it's putrid to those that are dying, but it's a sweet smelling aroma to those that God is saving. And so we want to be filled with that fruit of righteousness or that right living and continue to live in sincerity with the true knowledge of Jesus Christ, with the, with, with the Bible being our final authority in our biblical worldview, but we do it in love. We do it in love, but we must discern truth from error, especially nowadays. We got to get there. Got to get our discernment hats back on. And you learn and you get discernment by knowing the word of God for yourself. That's where discernment comes from, right? I mean, the Holy Spirit, he's teaching us the word. He's guiding us through the word. Discernment is knowing what moral agent somebody is operating in. Now, how are you going to know what moral agent they're operating in if you don't know the word of God for yourself? And Satan, his agents are so amazing at twisting the word now. They're so amazing at, you know, what they do that it's, 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 gotten very difficult to discern truth to discern what moral agent now and because everyone's so nice and kind and sweet about it it just messes our mind up even more and so we're um i'm going to stop there and we're going to pick back up uh in verse 12 i love you guys so much um you know make sure you um are just 
We need to practice these things. Go back and study it for yourself. Continue to study it. I think I mentioned Romans eight today. Highly recommend you doing listening to that teaching. Romans five is fire. Uh, really love that one. It really talks about God's love for you and the love that pours out in you, and then your love pouring back out into others. I know is another really great teaching. Um, Romans seven. We talked about that one. You know. Um, so either way, but um, make sure. Hopefully, you like this video. Share it subscribe, all those things that, you know, I guess we're supposed to be doing if we want to get things out there. So, um, I love you. I'm always here for you guys. God bless. I pray you enjoyed the teaching today. If God has blessed you in any way, then head over to the review section and leave five stars. I may just share your review right here on this podcast. Also, share this episode with anyone you believe will be blessed by today's teachings. If you want to connect with me and be a part of an amazing sisterhood of believers, then head over to our Facebook group. The link and all other links that I mentioned in this show today are in the show notes below. Just click on them and they'll take you where you want to go. As a reminder, be the church today, wherever God has you, shining the light and the love of Jesus. Y'all mean the world to me. Until next time.